Hi, and welcome to another episode of Deepening Faith. I'm Amy, and I'm joined by Leora. In this podcast, we've been exploring what it's like to be a Christian as a teenager, and we've been talking about some of the issues that affect our lives and our faith. Today, we're speaking to Laura Young, who's an environmental activist, about the climate crisis, what that means, and how it ties in with being Christian. So, hello, Laura. We've been really excited to talk to you. Of course, thanks for having me on. It's great to meet you both and have a bit of a chat. What made you so interested and passionate about helping the environment? Great question. It was a little bit of a mixture of the only subject I liked at school was geography. It was like the only one. I just loved colouring and learn about the planet. But also I did Duke of Edinburgh. So it was like out um, in the Scottish Highlands, hiking and enjoying the outdoors. So a little bit of like, I just fell in love with being outside and being outdoors and being in nature. But also I really, really liked the subject geography and loved learning about it. And those two things sort of came together. And I started to think about, oh, maybe this is what I could do for a job, a career. I went to uni and studied it a bit further and like fell in love with it. But the way I got involved with campaigning and activism and that sort of thing was actually by accident because it started as a New Year's resolution. So when I was in my final year of university, I went on this like New Year's weekend away with some friends and family. And we were walking along on the 1st of January on this like beautiful beach in Scotland. And everyone was talking about, oh, what's our New Year's resolutions? What's everyone doing this year? And I couldn't think of one. But as we were walking along this beach, we suddenly came across loads of like plastic and waste and litter. And like, it was a bit horrible because like on the 1st of January, you're thinking about the new year ahead and there was like all this rubbish. And so I made a decision like in 2018 to just do a new year's resolution thing to try and be more sustainable and went on a bit of a personal journey, just trying to look at what does it mean to be sustainable? And that was four years ago. And it's gone from like, trying to find loads of products that help you be sustainable to now like campaigning and doing activism and like going deeper with what it means to create big change. So really my passion kind of started from just a silly New Year's resolution challenge to myself a few years ago. Wow, that's great. So you obviously have a passion for the environment, but how do you think your faith relates to that? I love this question because actually for me, my faith had nothing to do with caring for the environment in the beginning. And that was because I was learning about it at school. I was doing Duke of Edinburgh. I was doing all these things where it was amazing to like learn about the planet and think about all these issues. So school was talking about it. My friends were talking about it. University was talking about it. But my church never spoke about creation care, climate justice, any of these topics ever. And so actually in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is just something I'm passionate about outside of church and I don't think it's something that Christians care about and it was something that over the kind of few years that I started thinking about this I actually got really frustrated because I was like hold on a minute why don't we care like surely this would be something that we care about so actually for me I then started to think about well hold on because a huge part of my life is being a Christian but why has being a Christian got nothing to do with this other big part of my life the environment and so that's when I started thinking and digging and trying to find is there a link between Christianity and climate change or kind of environmental justice um, or should we be doing something about it and as I started that journey um, I found loads of resources like Tear Fund before I worked for them I actually was a young person using their resources because they had these cool campaigns on plastic and waste and environmental issues so I like found all these online and was like oh my goodness this is amazing 
it's all starting to link up. I was reading bits of the Bible that just totally made sense when it came to all these other things I was passionate about. But then also, actually, my minister at the time challenged me and said, it isn't something that the church has been speaking about, but maybe that's because you need to push us to speak about it. So that's when I went on a journey with my own church to say, actually, we need to be talking about this. And so one of the good things for me is that actually four or five years ago, being a Christian had nothing to do with why I was passionate about the environment. But now, four or five years on, it's like the core reason why I do the work I do. And it's like an integral bit of my faith. And I think it's a lot of where I do my work as well, you know, with churches, with other Christians, trying to encourage other people, because it's so obvious why we should be Christians and care about the planet. But it's not always taught about in churches. And that's something that has been changing, which is a great blessing in the last few years. Yeah. So how, as a young person, did you manage to help your your church become more environmentally minded? It was very slow progress, but we did eventually get there. So as a church, I said, okay, maybe let's see if we can make small changes to kind of raise our awareness for being a bit more environmentally friendly. Because I thought, I don't want to scare everyone off with the big decisions, but let's just start somewhere really small. And I remember thinking um, when I started my journey to sustainability, I got myself a reusable coffee cup, felt very eco-friendly. It was very, you know, you felt quite smug when you were going into a cafe and buying a coffee. But I always felt like, I mean, this is only saving one cup at a time. Like it's really not saving that many cups. And at the church that I went to, uh, we used plastic cups for everything. So tea and coffee after the service, we had lots of different groups meeting in the church building who would have like juice and more tea and coffee and we used loads of plastic cups and we actually did some maths we sort of said I wonder how many cups we actually use every year and it worked out that we were using about 10,000 cups a year just on like tea and coffee and juice which is ridiculous and so I said okay why don't we just start with that why don't we try and find one solution that we can do to help with all this plastic that we're using. And so we decided that we were going to encourage everyone to bring their own mug or bring their own cup. And we said, we're not going to have plastic cups anymore. And we're only going to have a few China mugs for people who forget or guests who are coming, but like everyone bring their own. And we started it and it was great. People remembered to bring their own cup. They're still remembering to bring their own cup. And we're saving 10,000 cups plus a year because of that decision. But because we started that, we then said, okay, what else can we do? And so it went from like small little changes to we took away some car park spaces and added in bike racks because we said we don't want cars coming all the time if people can cycle or walk. We then put an orchard in some of the green space that we had because we were like, this grass is great, but it could be so much better and let's do something more. But then we started to do the really kind of hard stuff, which was actually let's do some sermons on this, let's preach on this, let's talk about this. Um, more than just like small action, let's actually talk about how we can really get to the heart of each of us and, and how we think about this. And it's been great to see over the years that grow. There's now an eco group that is in the church. Um, they did a clothes swapping event a couple of weeks ago, like loads of fun things that are talking about environmental issues. And one of the great things for me though is this was the church that I grew up in and I actually moved away And so all of this stuff is still happening. I'm not having to be the one to like keep pushing everybody because there's other people who care and other people who have continued on. But it all genuinely just started with finding a solution for a few plastic cups. Well, that's great. And I always find it so interesting that sometimes the most eco-friendly thing is also the most cost-effective thing. I I think 
in our church we've always had china cups that we use for everything but i don't know if that's like i kind of assumed that that was the norm because it the amount of money to buy loads of plastic cups is immense and yeah so it's really cool that your church is uh, your own church has started to do this stuff to reduce both their funding and also their Im- impact on the environment. What about you, Amy? Do you know what your church has done? We just always used mugs as well, but it means that anybody on the tea and coffee roaster is always quite reluctant because there's so much washing up at the end. I have a lot of anxiety about the climate. I'm quite an anxious person and part of my anxiety is to do with the climate and I just wanted to ask you like do you have any tips or any experiences of how to trust God through the climate crisis? I mean that's a big question. It's always interesting as well because I think there's lots of things we can do generally to help with kind of equal anxiety. You know the first one is thinking about where we get our news, thinking about what we're filling our brains up with because there's so much good climate work happening that we often just don't see and sometimes just being intentional about finding it and finding the good stuff to remind us that the solutions are there the work is being done can be really helpful because ultimately we know that there's loads of bad stuff still happening and we need to change that but sometimes it's good to just refresh ourselves and say actually there is some great work happening and it is good to always like find it and see that but for me a huge part of my climate activism is actually prayer and part of that is like prayer for the things that we are wanting and I've got a really kind of cool example about this because when I joined Tear Fund's advocacy team I joined it in 2020 and one of the big things that had happened right at the beginning of 2020 was the UK government had decided to stop funding fossil fuel projects overseas and that was like a huge campaign win that was like amazing something that campaigners for years had been trying to push on. And the really interesting thing about that was when my team were talking about it, because they were all working in collaboration with all these other organizations, they were saying what had happened was just before the kind of Christmas of 2019, so just like the month before, all this campaign work had happened and they were really pushing the UK government to to take action, to stop funding overseas fossil fuel projects. And right before Christmas, the government were like, nah, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. It, it, like, we just can't do it at the moment. It's just not going to work. And it was like a massive fail. And all of these campaign groups were like, it can't be, it can't be a fail. We can't just give up. This can't be the result. And because it was going into Christmas time, people have holidays and family to see. And it's just, it was such a a bad time for this to happen. But one of the interesting things was a whole host of these uh, organizations that were campaigning, out of all of them, some of them, there was a group of them that were kind of Christian organizations. And they all said, well, actually, why don't we just pray about this? Like all of our efforts, we can't do any more, but what we always have is prayer. We always have prayer. And so there was this huge prayer outcry at the end of 2019 and it was just like not the last resort because prayer is always part of our work but it was just this big like let's just bring it to God because this just feels so important and lo and behold January 2020 the UK government out of nowhere announces that actually they are going to stop funding these overseas fossil fuel projects and obviously all these other campaigning groups are like wow how did that happen and we're all like prayer um it, it was God 
But actually, prayer is like a huge part of the work that we do is remembering that we're not doing any of this stuff in our own strength, but also just finding space to pray about issues, even if it's not praying for a massive campaign or, or praying for an action. There is um, a group that I meet with every single month and they're called the Climate Intercessors. And it's a global network of people who all come onto Zoom every month and we pray about climate. We pray about different issues around the world, but then we also have space to pray about the things that are on our hearts. Like we, you can bring up issues in, in small groups at the end. And it's been like the most important part of my climate activism is this group praying, coming together and just giving it over to God but also having time together. And I think that honestly, for me, I remember being an activist can be quite a busy job or a kind of a busy time. And so often the last thing you have time to do is stop and pray. Cause you're like, I've got these emails to answer. I've got these events to go to. I've got all this work to do. But actually praying is one of the most important things that we can put time into our diaries for and, and really kind of center that on, on all of our days. I mean, sometimes we definitely underestimate the power of prayer. It's such an integral part of everything. That's a really, really good point. Like prayer is really, really important to everything that we do. How have you overcome boundaries and barriers in your life, stopping you from doing more to help the climate and do the next thing to reduce your own waste? Mm, I mean... I think I've definitely had to be quite creative when it comes to finding solutions or finding, yeah, there's loads of problems or loads of lifestyle bits that you're just like, I have no idea what the what the solution is to this. Um, and so sometimes it's about being creative, thinking a bit outside the box when it comes to trying to be a bit more eco-friendly. Also, sometimes it's about thinking backwards. So thinking, what did they used to do 50 years ago before this plastic item was in our lives? Or, you know, thinking about, you know, clothing, what did we do before fast fashion brands were here? Oh, we used to mend things. We used to repair them. We used to make our own things out of old fabric, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think also, you know, there there are some things that you just can't at the moment do sustainably, or there's just some stuff that there isn't quite a solution yet. And I think it's okay. It's okay to have limitations and say, I can't change everything and not everything is within my power, but we can all play our part. And then the things that we can't change, we can then campaign to try and get changed from the top down. And I think that's where you have this balance of like individual action versus campaigning for change, especially for all of these different solutions to be accessible to everyone. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. How would you advise the young people who care about the planet to make change when they feel like they can't? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think young people still aren't listened to. And I think they still don't have a lot of power, but there is lots of things that young people can do. Um, I guess one of the most important things is to speak up in every room that you're in. Um, and I don't think it gets any easier. You know, there's rooms that I'm in and I'm the youngest person there and I still feel like my voice isn't, you know, doesn't count and I feel nervous to speak up. But actually, you've got something important to say. You've got a different life perspective. So just always try and do it. But also... I guess your voice goes further than you think. And there's been lots of rooms that I've been in. And I've said, actually, all of these young people have said this. And that is actually really impactful and, and keeps the pressure on us. But even just little things like, it's funny. I remember when I was younger, people used to say, oh, if, you're, if you've got something you care about, write to your MP. And I'd be like, okay. And then I never would. 
And I actually didn't write to my MP until I was in my 20s. I just never, I just couldn't be bothered and I didn't think it would matter. But you'd be surprised how many MPs are desperate to hear from young people and really, really want them to reach out and talk to them. And so even just sending an email, sending a letter, doing it with other young people, it can be really influential. And holding them to account on social media if they don't reply to you is always a great, a great answer as well. But I think, you know, just speaking up and if you're not sure how to do it, like that is what you can ask other people, older people as well for help with. I've helped loads of young people get in touch with MPs and facilitated conversations because I can I know it can be a really daunting thing. And sometimes you just need someone to kind of help you out with that. And that's what all of us are here today. But it really, really goes quite far. I think just just lifting up your voice and and getting involved with stuff. You know, if you've got groups around you that are doing climate action, get involved, get stuck in because a lot of the time it might not have young people in it, but that's because no young people are in it. So like, go for it, just just dive in. And, it, you know, I mean, I sit in rooms where I'm the youngest by about 30 years, but I'm like, I'm here because I want someone young to be here. And um, hopefully if someone else comes along, they'll be encouraged and I can bring people with me. So I guess just raise your voice, like keep the conversation going um, and then reach out to people if you, if you need a little help being listened to. So we're coming to the end now. So we've just got our final question to ask, which is, which we ask every episode, which is, at what point do you think your faith has been the deepest? And what point do you think your faith has been the weakest? What a question. So I feel, can I answer this by saying probably at the exact same moment, right? And I'll give some context to that. So when I was at university, especially when I first moved away, so in Scotland, you can be 17 when you go to uni, which is wild because I felt like I was still a child, but I was away at uni having an amazing time. But one of the things that happens, well, quite often is you go away to uni, you get your freedom and you go a little bit crazy. And when I went to uni, I just did not think church was a priority and made loads of life decisions that probably weren't the best. But ultimately what that resulted in was me really getting quite far away from God, you know, not going to church, not engaging with the word. I think at one point I remember deleting the Bible app off my phone. So like, you know, I was making space for probably some game or something. And so at university, I really fell away quite a bit. And I think although I always thought about God and had in the back of my mind that Jesus was there and was running after me, it just totally wasn't a priority. But I remember there was actually a big moment and it was actually at my brother's wedding randomly. And it was because I'd kind of been away at uni and I was in my third year at the time. And I was asked to do a Bible reading at my brother's wedding. And I was sort of like, okay, yeah, cool, that's fine. And it was like, you know, love is patient, love is kind, like absolute classic. But basically I was like, all right, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. And I got up and it was funny because I thought to myself when I was preparing to read it, I was like, oh, this is probably the first time in a long time I'm going to be reading the Bible. You know, I've not picked up my Bible in forever. And I went up on stage like during the ceremony to read this verse. And although this was a wedding day, I totally stole my brother's thunder on this day because even though this is a wedding and we were celebrating love, I started reading these words, which was like, love is patient, love is kind. And I just, in that moment, felt God grabbing my attention in front of all of my friends and family. And he was like, have I got your attention? Because I love you and you're my child. 
and I want you to come back and, and start, you know, kind of re-looking into your faith. And so at that moment, I choked up on line verse two, couldn't get it out, burst into tears. I was having a meltdown during my brother's wedding. The groomsmen had to run over and check that I was all right. But it was because God got my attention in that moment and was like, I love you. You are my child. Like I have such good things in store for you. Um, and it was when I was reading those words about love and about God and reading it from the Bible. I managed to finally gather myself together, read the verse. We had a lovely wedding. It was great. But actually in that moment, my faith was right before that point, probably the furthest it's ever been in my life to instantly God had me like right back next to him. And although I then had to begin this journey to thinking about faith again, even though I'd never quite forgotten it, it was like a journey I felt the closest to God I ever had in my life like in a split second. Um, so yeah, I feel like the same moment. Is that cheating if I just give like one moment for both answers? That's a really good answer then. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. We've had an amazing time talking to you. Just so people can follow you on your social media platforms. Uh, what is your Instagram and Twitter? You can follow me on everything, I think. And it's um, Less Waste Laura is where you can you can come hang out online. You can come find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. No worries. Thank you. Thank you so much to Laura for joining us on the podcast today. Check out Laura on social media for plenty of useful advice about helping the environment around us. She's been on a campaign recently since we recorded their episode, Ban Disposable Weight, because of all the harm they do to the environment. So I think that's very interesting as well. Remember, we'd love to hear from you about your experiences of faith as a teenager. So you can email deepeningfaith at ucb.co.uk to get involved with the conversations we've been having. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll be back with another episode next week, so make sure to like and subscribe to Deepening Faith wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on an episode. Have a nice week!